There's a quietly tragic story going on in the bush after what had looked like a, a big success story, really. And it's a mystery with various villains and theories being investigated. The efforts to restore, restore, I knew I was going to say that, the efforts to restore the Woylie population have been going so well, those little blighters are actually removed from the list of endangered species. But something's going terribly wrong. And the population graphs are falling faster than the stock market at its very worst. Now, we've heard the WA government is about to spend $600,000. Now, some of you will feel very antsy about this too when we're telling you that you're paying more for your utilities. But nonetheless, the state government has announced it will spend $600,000 to try to protect the marsupial and to get it going again. What do I mean by getting it going again? Dr Adrian Wayne is a Chief Investigator and Coordinator of the Woylie Conservation Research Project. Dr Wayne, good morning to you. Good morning, Jeff. A couple of things. Describe the Woylie for us, if you will. Yeah, the Woylie stands about a foot high. It's, a, it's basically a pint-sized kangaroo. It's a very small kangaroo, but it's, a, it's got a lot of spunk. Um, very fast-moving. Uh, they actually got the blood of a greyhound uh, dog, uh, so they they are absolutely amazing in terms of their speed through the bush. Yes, um, they eat underground fungi, truffles, not uh, not the French black varieties, but our own native truffles. Yes, and they actually play a really important role in keeping our bush healthy because those truffles play a really important role in giving our plants and trees the nutrients they wouldn't otherwise get, and in doing so, make our forests healthy. Okay, now a few years ago things were going quite well, weren't they? It was really the flagship of success that both, you know, we were shouting from the steeple-tops and really at, and at a national level was a, a, a huge demonstration of just how successful we can be about bringing a species back from the brink of extinction. Because by the 1960s, this, this guy had, um, had declined from having a distribution across two-thirds of the country to being found just in three small pockets in the southwest of Western Australia. I guess one of the important things is it's not just the woolly, but a whole bunch of other species used to have distributions across Australia, and they too, their last strongholds, their last stands were here in the southwest. Okay, I'm worried because I know that bad things happened. I mean, I understand that there were more than 20,000 of them nine years ago. How, how many woolies are left? Well, actually, we had 40,000 woolies as our estimates in, in 2001 right. across Australia, um, having sort of got down to those three small pockets in the southwest. Um, in the 19, from the 1970s to the 2000, we had a fantastic increase to 40,000. We now have less than 10,000. Um, but in Western Australia, we really hold the most important populations, these natural populations that have persisted throughout time, ever since ever. And there's only, there's only about 2,000 or less than 2,000 in those, those three really important populations. What's happened to them, Dr Wayne? And I don't, I don't mean to be uh, grubby here, but you said they were full of spunk before, and I'm getting the impression perhaps they're not full of spunk because they don't seem to be breeding. Jeff, this keeps me awake and it keeps my colleagues awake. We've got uh, 80 people through collaborations, volunteer work and, and donations of uh, a huge amount of time and expertise to try and solve this mystery. What we do know is that the declines are really out of left field. This is really something very unusual and it's generated national and international interest because what we're probably seeing here is what we fear is one of our greatest fears as humans and that is that we have a pandemic. And it's quite likely that what we're seeing is something like that happening in our own wildlife. So it's important for the species, it's also important for other species, but it's also important 
for us as humans as well. What we know is that the declines are being driven by animals dying, and they're dying in their dozens. And we know that most of those deaths are, are attributed, we, we find that predators are there on the site. We can see evidence, we, we put in forensics teams and, and they go in and try and get whatever evidence they can. And we can see evidence of predation on most of the animals that we're recovering. Most of who's, the who's, who's eating them? And I, I wonder, is, is some of this also due to our, uh, you know, our relentless need to, to spread our urban lifestyle into rural and regional Western Australia? Well, that's right. We're f- before us come our cats. Those that releasing cats into the wild, feral cats are just absolutely devastating in wildlife. And the woolly is, I'm afraid, not uh, immune to that. And certainly in the east of Manjimup, where the largest woolly population used to be, and, and one that's undergone more than a 95% decline in just the last few years, um, we know that most of the deaths there have occurred from cats. We know in the wheat belt that uh, two of the other two really important populations have big troubles with foxes because there's just so much um, influx from uh, the, uh, the farmland around that uh, they come in faster than they can be controlled. But feral cats are quite a different beast to foxes in controlling. They are just so crafty and we've got people who've been working on it for 20 years to try and find a way to be able to reduce cat numbers in the wild and it's just very difficult. I tell you what, it's a pretty uh, full-on subject. Every time we raise the notion of uh, feral cats and domestic cats turned bad, there are always plenty of people to talk about it. Tell me about this, this um, the predator-free zone that uh, was announced by the Environment Minister yesterday. That's right. Donna Farragher announced yesterday to uh, put $500,000 towards building an enclosure. And the idea here is to provide a safe haven where, free from predators, the whirly numbers can start to recover. What we've got in the Perup, this, this particularly important population east of Manjimup, is, is numbers have dropped down to literally a few hundred. And given the trajectory of how they've gone, they are stand a real risk of becoming extinct. And with that, goes a very important prospect for the future of this species. So by putting up a fence, removing the foxes and cats from that area, we give the woolies a safe haven where they can start to recover their numbers again. You feel strongly about these little blighters. I wonder we would too if we probably knew them better. I guess it's that typical sort of response, isn't it? Well, if I knew what one looked like, maybe I'd love it more. Well, that's right. In some respects, they're a bit like a quokka with spunk. Uh, they really, they're, they're, they're feisty. And they're, they're quite a rope. I mean, they, they're quite charismatic and they, they certainly ha- have a lot of personality about them. But it is hard. I mean, the reality is that we have these huge treasures in our backyard yeah. that probably most of us have never met. And I know as a child, I grew up in, in northern suburbs of Perth that, that sort of got developed. And I used to walk through the bush because we had a lot around at the time, dreaming of what it was like when all the wildlife was there. Yeah. And the lovely thing has been, for the last 10 years, I've been working in, in the southern forest here, and I've seen the recovery of these fauna, and it's just been fantastic. You see the life come back to the bush, yeah. and now what we've seen is something which now resembles literally a ghost town. Yeah, I think what must be interesting about your job is that you get to see it firsthand, and you get to see the the triumphs and the success stories and nature uh, reinvigorated. But also you must be aware that you're doing it on behalf of people, some of whom don't care at all, most of whom sort of know what you're talking about but have not had that first-hand intimate experience. Look, and we have a huge number of volunteers and students and when they come down and they see these animals, they just, you know, 
some of them it's life changing. You know, they really you sort of see see people sort of, well, I can do something here and I can really make a difference. And and it is, it comes in terms of having that personal contact, that con- context and, and contact with these animals makes makes a really big difference in terms of how we relate to it. But I guess on a couple of levels, as you said, some people might not care and, and you know, we need to do this for the species for its own right. Now, I've got a question for you because yep. you sound like a peaceful man, Dr. Dr. Wayne. A listener says, should there be a bounty on cats and foxes? <laughs> I know it's a tough one to ask you, but do you sometimes wish there was? What we need is is patches of bush at least where our wildlife have a half a chance. And to give them half a chance, foxes and cats need to be out of the equation. And I know hugely your program sort of cats has been a huge issue over the years um, in terms of control and, and licensing and what have you. But anything that simply gives our heritage, a chance to persist for our children and our grandchildren has got to be worth it. To give those people that maybe don't care today, but maybe to, tomorrow do, um, give them a chance to, to, to have that opportunity to be able to care. The reality is that just for the species in their own sake, there's something to do there. But also, these guys are playing a really very important role in keeping our forests and our woodlands healthy. They do that in all sorts of really special ways, which I can talk about if you want, but they, they really are the silent achievers, the quiet achievers that are doing a huge amount to keep our forests healthy, which is important for climate change because as our forests have to deal with drought and what have you, the waters are actually helping us there. They also have a commercial value. The sandalwood industry knows that these guys disperse the sandalwood seeds that provides the next generation of, of, uh, of sandalwood trees to generate an income which is worth millions of dollars to our state. And the same goes to our, to our native forests, to... Um, You've to, won me. To all sorts of things. You've won me. Uh, well, I'll show you one one day, Jeff. Yeah, Dr. Wayne, it's a great pleasure to talk to you, and I hope we get the chance to talk to you again. Well, hopefully we'll get this enclosure built, and we'll have wellies in there, and then um, they'll be a lot easier uh, to show to you and to others and, uh, and to demonstrate, really, the big role that they're playing in our world. It's a pleasure to have you on the program. Thanks very much. Thanks, Jeff. Dr. Adrian Wayne, the Chief Investigator and Coordinator of the Woylie Conservation Research Project. Money well spent. When it's explained like that, it's pretty compelling, isn't it? The Morning Program with Jeff Hutchison. 720 ABC Perth.